This week is Kate Ferenz. This was the last episode conducted on the road. And um, I got to say the audio is a little rough this week. Everything that could go wrong with it basically went wrong. But it's an awesome interview, in my opinion. And I hope you enjoy it. The art as always, is by Mike Riley at MikeRileyComics.com. And we're hosted by Splice Today. Check out SpliceToday.com. Let's, Let's go, go in. I grew up in White Plains, New York, which is like suburbs about 45 minutes out of New York City. Yeah. In retrospect, I think it was a pretty cool place to grow up. It's really fancier than a lot of other places which is something I feel super weird about now but I think that I went to this public school that had all these different like this high school that had all these different classes you could take like video art and like fashion design and painting and photography and it was just really supportive Mm. for that kind of thing Um, and one thing that I think is kind of funny, or maybe not funny, uh, I feel like I'm in touch with a lot of people who I knew from high school who were like still doing cool things, which I feel like a lot of people don't really have that. So I feel like where I was growing up at that time was a, a good, good supportive place for doing creative stuff. Yeah. Who are the people? friends of mine, I just ran into my friend Brian Galdarisi, who's doing some cool photography stuff yeah. still. Uh, my friend Alana Fitzgerald, who I was in this band, Friday Face Empire, with, who just moved to uh, North Carolina and got really involved in this Native American religious community, which is Whoa. pretty awesome. Uh, my friend Emily Brodsky, who's doing cool music stuff still. And just a lot of people I'm still really excited to be friends with. Yeah. So, like, what kind of kid were you? I guess I was always, like, really interested in visual art and music and spent most of my time that wasn't wasted on the internet just drawing or writing songs. Or not really. I guess I had these sketchbooks and I'd make these collages and all sorts of things. Um, Really, really introverted. Like, I was one of those kids that was kind of just, like, painfully shy and had a hard time Mm. meeting people and that was like a really big influence on a lot of the things that I did and the things that I've made how do you mean um I guess if you look at like the earlier Kate Friends music it's all in my mind at least just like there's just like this crazy like loneliness in it like Mm. that's like the main thing I'm talking about I think in like the first like two or three or four albums (laughs) I feel like it was something I fixated on a lot Mm. for a long time. That you felt that way? Yeah. But did you have, like, friends and stuff? Oh, yeah. But I think I still made a lot of things that that were just about, like, difficulty reaching out to other people. 
you're saying like already as a young kid you're sort of writing these songs and stuff like that yeah um when I was in high school I wrote a lot of songs like I remember there was this one year where I tried to write a song like every week which is a cool thing to do they're all like pretty terrible but it's like Mm. I definitely feel like that was a good practice yeah music I was influenced by the time was kind of like a combination of like Riot Girl and like 80s goth mm. music and like Britpop sort of okay yeah so that stuff was like sort of past tense yeah 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 um like I guess I was in high school in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah. and I feel like that was at a point where like Riot Girl was basically over but the the effects of it were still like strongly felt yeah what did it like mean to you? Like, what did you like about it? Um, I guess, for one, it was just, like, cool to see music that was, like, I guess aggressive music coming from ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, like, I just remember spending a lot of time, like, painting and drawing and listening to, like, Hole and, uh, Heavens and Betsy, which was, uh, Corn Tucker's band before Slater Kinney. Mm. Um, I'm just like Bikini Kill and all that stuff. And then also like listening to Bauhaus a lot. They were one of my favorite bands that still like is like influenced oh, yeah. <laughs> what I've done throughout. Um, and it's like, you know, Joy Division, Susie and the Banshees, and all that stuff. And I think. It's interesting, I've always been like, really interested in, like, goth music from that time, but I haven't been as interested in, like, where that genre has evolved oh, since yeah. then. And I guess that's true with a lot of things where it's kind of more interesting to see, like, who the innovators were originally, as opposed to the people who have tried to emulate the same yeah. thing for decades. That's, like, rarely as interesting. Where has it gone now? Uh, it's like gone real cold. Um, mm. Like, I... I don't know, I feel like most of the things that I've been trying to pay attention to now, they're real... real cold. I think I was always kind of more interested in, like... I guess the things that that feel hot, you know? Um, And also the music that talks about feelings. And I feel like a lot of goth stuff today is very, like, guarded. Like, Mm. it's kind of about trying really hard to, like, seem cool. Yeah. And there's things about it I want to like, but overall I feel like I kind of have this like love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, yeah. When I was in high school and I'd see goth kids and they'd be like, yeah, like, Bauhaus, this, like, that, that. Like, I'd always be like, how did they, like, hear about it? Cause it's, the internet, I guess. Um, I feel like yeah. I was growing up, like, just when the internet was starting to be a thing. Like, we got yeah. the internet in my house when I was about 13 or 14. Mm. And that was kind of a nice time for just finding out about, like, kind of obscure bands from the 80s on the internet. There were mm. a lot of those websites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, like Geocities and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always forget about the earlier internet. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. <laughs> but you were, like, psyched. You were, like this like internet head from like the beginning not not like super internet yeah. like I feel like that was just like one way to like learn things and waste time yeah. as a teenager totally. 
it seemed to me like I did that about as much as anyone else. But it's like a real funny way to learn about the world. And these songs, so you were like basically writing songs to be like, uh, sort of like Bauhaus. Not really. No, no, I think, I think the songs that I was writing when I was in high school, they were way more just like angsty, like '90s yeah. feeling. Um, and just because more, more influenced by like punk stuff. Um, in part because when you're just like you know a kid playing guitar alone in your room, that's like what you can do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, like I was always kind of more interested in writing words than, you know, getting good at playing an instrument or anything yeah. like that. And I just, like, wrote all these songs. And then, by my senior year of high school, I was in this band, Fronty Face Empire, and that was really fun um, with my friend Alana, who's still one of my best friends. And it was just, like, I guess at one point it was described as being kind of like a combination of, like, The Cure and Lenti Grey, which were, like, oh, nice. basically the two big influences. And that was real fun, real about, like... I guess Alana, she's, like, my size, and we both, like, look way younger than we are, mm. and, like, we're always kind of mistaken for being, like, these tiny little kids, which, oddly enough, was true with, like, all my friends from high school. Like, everyone was just really <laughs> small. Um, <laughs> but our band was kind of about, like, playing out that whole, like, little girl thing. Mm. Um, and it was really fun. And, like, what, it, like, in White Plains, what, how did it work? Did you play there, or did you play, like, in the city, or? Uh, we didn't play that many shows total, but I remember the first one was this place called, uh, shit, what was it, um, I don't know, it was, like, way out, like, in the middle of, like, Brooklyn somewhere, which at the time seemed, like, super far out. Oh, yeah. My bro- I have a brother who's about, like, 10, 13 years older than me, and he was, like, it was somewhere he used to go, and he, like, drove us there, and that was a fun time. Oh, sorry. I'm on the name of that place. And we played, like, I think, like, the Scarsdale Teen Center. That's good. So we didn't really play that many shows, but it was a really fun thing we did. We recorded a couple songs, but it was way harder to do that then. Yeah, totally. I kind of wish we had got them all recorded, but we recorded, like, four of them. And then, because that ended when I went to college, uh, went to the Rhode Island School of Design, and when I was there, it was kind of just, like, I felt like I was always kind of interested equally in art and music but then when I was there it was just like all like art homework all the time which Mm. was good for me I think but it was kind of I didn't really do any music seriously when I was there it was like just just a little bit yeah (laughs) um and I made a lot of like weird apparatus to wear that were often kind of used in these weird performances which is something I'm still really interested in and I still oh, like yeah. to do. Uh, I feel like kind of more recently that's like come sort of full circle in a way that's been satisfying to me. But I think part of the reason I was doing all these performative things is because that, that part of my brain was just being like channeled in a super weird way. Yeah. Which which was good for me at the time. It's just funny in retrospect because like as soon as college was over I started like making more music again. Oh yeah. Like immediately. It's kind of funny, like, the way that evolved. At the end, I took a lot of writing classes when I was in college, and then at the end, I was taking this poetry class and writing a lot of, like, poems that were sort of, like, nursery rhymes, really rhythmic. And then, like, basically as soon as school was done, they just, like, they turned into songs. And then I started writing and 
recording the songs that are eventually on like the CDR Magic Pictures. And I played guitar before then, but I didn't have a guitar with me. So a lot of those songs I'm just banging on stuff and singing. Uh, some of them were recorded on a tape and then eventually discovered Garage Band. Yeah. Um, and then eventually the guitar worked its way back into it. Oh, and there was also a brief period of time when I was back at my parents' house and there was a piano there, so I recorded a bunch of piano songs. Oh, As you are, like, doing it in Providence slash back at your parents' house, are you mm-hmm. still, are you, like, playing out? No. Um, it took, it took kind of a while to start mm. doing that. Um, I guess I've been making music for, or doing that stuff for a couple months before I really started playing shows. Yeah. Uh, it takes a while to sort of figure out how to do that but eventually I think the first show I really played doing that stuff was at my friend Alana's house in Brooklyn oh and then I just kept yeah doing it what was the first show like it was good cool that was this time when there was this brief period of time when I kinda I had this suitcase full of pots and pans uh-huh. and I was just kinda like singing and yelling and hitting stuff and I think there were maybe a couple guitar songs at the time, like acoustic guitar songs. Yeah. I just remember I was living in this kind of loft apartment in Brooklyn for a while and just using GarageBand a lot at that time. Yeah. And just drawing a lot and writing a lot of songs. Have you always been, like, able to, like, be, like, nonstop with this, like, creativity? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like I don't know. It just seems like you're always on some kind of mission, either. <laughs> <laughs> either. And it sounds like you were back then too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always other stuff going on. Too. Yeah. Um, like around this time, I had a lot of jobs working for artists in New York. This was like in that moment right before the economy crashed around 2007 or eight when it mm. like made sense to live there. Yeah. Uh, which didn't last for very long when I was around at least okay so you have this crazy like pots and pans set yeah essentially yeah. Mm-hmm. and it eventually evolves into a more like guitar oriented thing mm-hmm. for a while and like like why the pots and pans it was just like we're gonna take this um, different approach it didn't really feel different like I feel like I basically started with like only words yeah. and then it like was like gradually built up like oh I'm gonna bang on things like basically when I write songs I like I do this and I like talk to yeah. myself for a long time <laughs> where it's just like there's a rhythm yeah yeah and there's a bunch of words and the words gradually get figured out and then anything that's like an instrument kind of comes later on top yeah. of that I guess it's also some of my heroes at the time were like Daniel Johnston and Jad Fair and I feel like when you're when the people who you think are real cool are outsider musicians, it's really... It means, like, kind of the source that you're looking to for guidance is totally batshit, like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like your performances have always been like that, that I've seen. It's always, like, you're not really trying to... You're, like, not trying to, like, put anybody at ease, like... Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm always, like... Yeah, yeah. I think it's... 
that's kind of the art school thing. I feel like a lot of the time I'm thinking like, not like how can I facilitate a fun party, but mm-hmm. how can I like make a meaningful piece of art? Right. Which right. is very often far, far from <laughs> facilitating a fun party. Right. <laughs> Where like you bust out some dancey songs and then it's like a really sad acapella song. <laughs> 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 it's just real oh man and this new album is so dark alright well I remember you talking about how one of my favorite songs how just rocking it live like how like saying like Hitler is oh. like a record scratch moment kind of, of yeah yeah oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah um Dumb Hearts Dumb Flowers yeah uh that song it's about uh Jake and Dino's Chapman, these two artists who, um, they bought a whole bunch of Hitler's watercolors and basically just painted on top of them a bunch of, like, rainbows and hearts and flowers and basically stupid stuff like that. Yeah. And it was a series of... A painting is called uh, "If Hitler Had Been a Hippie, How Happy Would We Be," <laughs> um, which I just think is crazy. One of my favorite pieces of art to think about. Mm. It's just really intense. So yeah. that's what that was about. I, I thought I have a couple songs. I guess there's maybe one other song where I talk about the Holocaust too. It's just mm. like a thing that comes up from time to time. Yeah. But it always makes people feel real, real weird. Yeah, well, I think it depend just depends sometimes, partially if people are paying attention. Because oh. you do explain what that song is. Yeah, yeah. But then I guess if people are just, like, not listening and then they're like... I guess so funny. I haven't played that song live in a while, but it is one of those ones where you're like, all right, I gotta, gotta give some backstory for this or it's gonna be weird. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that it's the performance is confrontational, because I don't feel like that's the right word, but... I mean, Confrontation isn't the goal, but talking yeah. about things that interest me is, and talking about things that are uncomfortable a lot of the time, yeah. is part of the goal. And like, do you feel like you were like finding other people like that, like in these playing these early Cape Friends shows? Um, not really. Hmm. I mean, yes and no. I guess one one funny thing about my music is it basically started out like most of the earlier stuff is like there's an acoustic guitar it's like kind of like folk music you know? yeah and it's since then evolved into you know something a lot like noisier and more electronic sounding and I think the the reason it's like that which is which is weird because it means there's like a really wide range of, of stuff that I've made and, yeah. you know, different different sorts of people that it would or would not appeal to. Um, but I think it's because I've always mostly been interested in, in words, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I started, you know, just banging on stuff and then playing guitar, I felt like the, the main thing I wanted to do was just, like, talk about my feelings, basically. Yeah. And I was, at the time, doing it the only way I knew how. Which seemed kind of fun, but gradually I kind of just, like, I felt like that was, like, the reason I was doing it that way, and sometimes I was like, is this dumb? I feel like the, 
acoustic thing is real weird because it can be so terrible. Mm. And I, I always kind of liked the idea of being like a singer songwriter because it seemed to repel so many people. Mm. <laughs> like, I definitely had a num- number of conversations with like different people I dated where I'm like, I'm a singer songwriter, and they're like, No, you're not. You're a noise person. And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there's been like this weird. Funny, funny series of uh, misconceptions as far as that stuff is concerned. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I kind of, I kind of always wanted it to be dancey, uh, and then eventually figured out how to do that. Yeah. But it, it took a long time. Um, I guess I made this one album that's kind of in between, where there was an electric guitar, uh, Natural History Museum, and after I made that, I moved to New Orleans for a little bit. And that place is really cool and really weird, but uh, one thing I didn't like about it so much was it it kind of felt like there was this rule where you had to be making music that's like the 1930s. Oh yeah. Um, there's this little part of your brain where it's like what it's like it feels right when you're there, but when you think about it, it also <laughs> seems kind of delusional or something, you yeah. know. Um, but that's just how it is. And I feel like the, the place is kind of really conducive to that in a lot of ways. Like, I remember there was this band, Hooray for the Riff Raff, that I played some shows with in New York, and I thought they were really cool for a while. But always wondering, because I always make music that's really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm kind of like this tiny animal, and they, like... Like, if you're, like, a mouse or something, their heart beats faster and time moves differently for them. And yeah. I feel like I've always... This has changed recently when, once I, I got a drum machine in there, but I just make things that are faster than I mean for them to be. And when I listen to it, I'm like, whoa, that's that's fast. Um, and then going to New Orleans, it's... I was there for a while in the summer, and it's just crazy hot. Like, the way things yeah. are there, it's, like, slowed down. And it was, like, clear to me why why people could make music that was slow. <laughs> right. Because prior to that, I kind of had no idea. Um, but, like, was there any... Like, well, first of all, what was your reason to move down there? I was sick in New York. New York sucks. Mm. Um, <laughs> I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't want to hate on I, I, I probably shouldn't go into too much of it hating on New York because we already know everyone knows about me Um, but basically I'd been there for a couple years I wanted to leave and I spent some time working on a movie in New Orleans I guess a couple years before that Um, I helped out with this uh, short film Glory at Sea that was directed by uh, Ben Zeitlin who did Beast of the Southern Wild later Um, and what did you do in that movie? department stuff um, for the the short film they made before I wasn't I wasn't involved with Beast in the Southern World but I was living with them like right before they made that oh okay which was cool I feel like I was less influenced by the music that was going on there but like so influenced by just the place it's Mm. beautiful and tragic and really simultaneously full of life and death Mm. Um, so that was important, I guess. Um, but I don't really understand that. Because I, when I was in New Orleans, I guess I was just like, what's, 
Where, where were you? I can't remember, but not like the French Quarter, but like another place like that. The Marini? I'm not the sure. The Bywater? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. But what, what you say is full of like life and There's death, just, like, there's like, I mean, I was there, I lived there in 2009, which is, I guess, only a couple years after Katrina, and there's just broken stuff. It's like so broken everywhere. Mm. But there's crazy plants everywhere, too. Mm. And just dead animals and alive animals everywhere you look. And everyone who lives there is crazy with no exceptions. Um, mm. Everyone. Everyone's crazy. I just thought it was just visually a really beautiful, inspiring yeah. place. I guess I spent a lot of time just, like, wandering around where there's just, like, all these, like, totally collapsed buildings that are just totally overgrown. Mm. It's real... Real post-apocalyptic. I remember when I was there kind of feeling like it was kind of like the Garden of Eden if humans had been allowed to stay there and continued to mess things up. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I was only there for about, uh, I guess, five or six months. Mm. And were you trying to, like, play these shows and stuff like that? Kind of, but it became apparent pretty early on that it was, like, not a very good place yeah. for me to be doing that. I was there in the summer, which is kind of, like, crazy ghost town, right, which is, like, right. a real real bad time to try to get yourself, like, established somewhere because yeah. everyone with any sense leaves. Um, and just because, like, there's these rules in the music scene there that I was not into. Like, I kind of feel like I got a little bit sidetracked. But then when I was there, I wrote most of the songs that ended up on the album World Bridger. Um, and I guess I did that. Then I went on this big tour with my friend Alana for like three months and was just kind of like traveling around. Didn't really know where I was going to be and I ended up back in New York. Mm. Got a keyboard, finished that album. So that's like kind of the first album where there's like acoustic guitar stuff and like dancier stuff world creature yeah oh cool uh-huh. and what and like cause we've only known each other like a couple of years like yeah. like back at that time like was it what are these albums is it like the cassette release uh, or, I love CDRs they, okay. at this point yeah, um, yeah I guess there was one tape uh, Natural History Museum that was uh, the first thing I recorded with Single Girl Married Girl Records in Philly um, mm-hmm. that was kind of the first time I was getting to know awesome people in Philly that ultimately were the reason I moved oh, here cool. but it was kind of funny there was this moment where I was like I need to live in New York should I go to Philly or New Orleans and I decided to go to New Orleans then went back to New York and then went back in Philly <laughs> there Philly's real good for a whole bunch of other reasons yeah you said like a three month tour I'm trying to it's just like shambling we didn't know what the hell we were doing we just like drove around the country and played some shows uh, my friend's car got destroyed in Portland it was just real real wild style just like mm. real weird <laughs> is it like kind of like yeah. you are booking it kind of booking it as we go yeah it was kind of I feel like Alana was at this place in her life and I was at this place in my life where it was like we need to get out of where we are yeah and Alana just got a car so we like booked some shows and drove around that's wild some people yeah most of the cities you're playing them for the first time right yeah 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 How'd it go? okay. Cool. <laughs> Do you feel like you made, like, a lot of connections and stuff like that? Uh, or, or not so much? Yes and no. Um, 
this was like a while ago now, so I feel like some of those people I'm still following, some not so much. Um, I guess before that I was mostly just playing a lot of shows in New York because you can do that. Yeah. And I've always been like really like not a person who drives, which means I tend to stay stay where I am and not go yeah. too far. Um, but that tour was just like a weird, weird time. Mm. What, what made it so weird? Uh, I guess just the, the weirdness of figuring out what you're doing as you go the weirdness of like being in a car with one person for a very long time yeah just like a lot of like intense personal stuff going on with like different people we met on that tour mm. um and then I ended up back in New York after that for like a year and that's when I finally got like a drum machine and keyboard and this uh It was like a digital eight track, um, and basically started writing and recording the songs that were on uh, "Dumb Hearts and Flowers." Oh, cool! And it kind of seemed like the whole reason I was back there was I needed to like find my partner Ben Forgel and like take him away nice. <laughs> from New York. So that's I feel like that's basically the reason I was back there mm. at that time. Um, How did you guys meet? He went to Sydney Purchase, which is not yeah. far from where I grew up. So I kind of met him originally just through uh, people I went to high school, went to college there. Yeah. But uh, we didn't really get to be friends until we were both living in New York. And then we didn't start dating for like a long time after that. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, when I moved back uh, to New York, it was like suddenly time for that. Um, I guess that eventually leads into like some Philly and Evil Sword. It's so hard to figure out the order of That's things okay. when you're explaining them. Yeah, things don't have to go in yeah, order. Yeah. But I guess this one thing we did in New York that was kind of fun was uh, this project called The Glowing Garden where Ben wrote a scary story and I was like playing keyboards and doing the music for it. And um, there were like a lot of lights and props. It was about like a 10 minute little thing. We went just like a little tour doing that, and I feel like that was kind of like proto Evil Sword. That was like yeah. the first sort of Evil Sword thing. What like prompted you guys to do this crazy collaboration? Uh, we were just hanging out a lot. I think it was Ben's idea. He's always kind of been interested in like this kind of storytelling. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it was just Ben's idea to do that, and I was like, cool. <laughs> and you did a tour of that. Uh, just a little one. We played in like Philly and Baltimore. Oh, in New York. That was kind of like the first step, and things kind of like I feel like Evil Sword makes a lot more sense than that did. Oh okay. Um, but it was just like fun to be doing a thing with like lights and costumes, and a thing that wasn't really a, a music show. It was kind yeah. of its own kind of theater thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was also one of the only times I've done a thing like that where my job is to like play instruments and not like sing or like. Yeah. Kind of be the front person. So that was interesting for me, just writing like a, a musical score basically. That's like very, very different. How do you I usually do that? How do you like do something like that? Like how do you start? Uh, I guess Ben wrote the story. And I think the way it worked was I I had this kinda like 
little piano thing in my head that I'd I'd kind of come up with this one part but it didn't really make sense for any Kate Ferran songs and then it just kind of turned into that thing just kind of like just kind of like improvise on these these couple parts yeah is it shortly after that that you guys come here yeah yeah yeah. um I guess um a big part of the reason we moved to Philly was um I guess our friends uh I guess my friend Yanni and Taryn now, uh, they run this little record label called Single Girl and Marigold Records that's put out most of the stuff that okay. I've done. Um, and they're just like super awesome, really supportive people. Uh, they're in this band called Hermit Thrushes and do oh. a bunch of different things. Uh, Yanni's reading tonight. Um, so I met those guys at first in like 2006 or something. Um, I played the show at Goodbye Blue Monday in New York. This was, like, just when I was starting to play shows, and, like, he was, like, this weird show in their, like, backyard space during the day, and, like, no one was there, basically, except Herman Thrushes. Mm. Um, and it's funny how things work out that way, where it's, like, you play the show, and it's, like, kind of a bummer, except you, like, meet some people who, like, end up being your best friends later yeah. on, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then in 2009, I was hanging out in Philly, and I recorded this album, Natural History Museum, that's the only album I ever made where I, like, didn't really have very much control over the recording process. Like, we did it at their house, the castle. Um, and that was an interesting experience for me. It was, like, really cool to me that they wanted to do that. But I think I ultimately learned that's, like, not really the way I like to record things. So they're, like, producing you kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, what didn't you like about it? Just, I, I guess not having total control like I think a big thing for me is I feel like letting someone else record your music is kind of like letting someone else like like a professional cut your hair where like they have better skills but they don't have the ability to give you what you want yeah you know um even though it's like awesome that they're down to do that right right um so I guess ever since that I've had more control over the stuff I recorded with a couple exceptions. Mm. Yeah, so long story short, uh, those people were the reason we wanted to move to Philly and yeah. we moved here. <laughs> um, and it's been awesome. Like, we, we started the Space Magic Pictures where we do art shows, which is, that was all Ben's idea. Um, and I help out a little bit with that, but it's mostly Ben doing curating and stuff these days. And we do music shows, and it's just been so great, like, being in Philly compared to New York. It's horrible. Yeah. It's just really cool people are really supportive here I feel like I used to be miserable when I play in Philly the difference between Philadelphia and Baltimore is vast and something I think about a lot really? yeah yeah um I feel like the main thing about Philly is I feel like one thing that sums it up for me really well is when I first moved here I went to this poetry reading where some guy was reading some poem and he was talking about Rocky and about how like school children from Philadelphia aspire not to succeed but to fail with dignity I feel like Philly is all about failing with dignity kind of where mm. I guess when we went down to Baltimore uh, just to hang out a little while ago just talking to people and just realizing I feel like everyone in Baltimore is super like compared to Philly at least like really business minded they like mm. know what they're doing and they I feel like Philly is just kind of Really like shambling in its way, but it's a way where like people are really true to themselves here. 
Like, mm. Which is not to say that people aren't in Baltimore necessary, necessarily, but I feel like there's a lot more people who are are making what they make because it's, like, what they really want to make in their heart and not because there's any, like, sort of market for it or, like, mm. anything like that. Where mm. it's just, like... They're just their, like, their weird selves. Okay. Um, Interesting. And I feel like they make a lot of moves that, like, don't make any sense if you're looking at it from, like, a Baltimore <laughs> perspective. Where like, I feel like a like lot of people like... in Baltimore, like... Like, their music is their job and they're, like, really good at, like... Really good at making a fun party, basically. Uh huh. Or like Philly is more just like a real weird party. (laughs) Cool. Like, what are the weird moves? Uh, I guess just making. I feel like Hermitage is another good example of it, where like their music is real weird. It's not like keep saying this but it's just like not about making the fun party happen it's about like making Mm. the weird time happen sort of Mm. that's so weird because I feel like until I met you and then Static Brothers as well and then Gavin but he kind of only half counts because he's like you guys go way back right? yeah like I feel like I thought all there was in Philly was, like, super extra professional shit. What? Yeah. I, another thing about Philly is that there's, oh. I think, a really, like, kind of big divide between, like, the professional shit and the DIY stuff. Mm. Like, I think the way, the way the bigger shows get organized in Philly is, like, super segregated and weird. Like, whenever a bigger band comes through, like, it's really hard for a local band to get on the bill. Yeah. Um, and it's really just, like, not supportive in that way. Like, I feel like one cool thing about Baltimore is, like, people, like, help help each other up. Yeah. And in Philly, like, the way things are done is just not conducive to that. Which yeah. Is, which is lame. And it kind of means, like, if you're, like, doing the DIY stuff, you're, like, only going to play houses. There's, like, very few, like, medium-sized venues in Philly, really. I, uh, yeah, totally. And, like, the few that are are kind of all, like, run a little bit weird. And then the bigger stuff is also, like, run weird from the point of view of, like, a person who lives in Philly and does DIY stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of sits me pretty well, because I don't really like being at bars. I'd, like, much rather be at a house show. Mm. And there's plenty of those. Yeah. One of my absolute favorite house spots in the country, where we are right now, Magic Pictures Gallery. Like, how did this pop off? Um, well, I think we both wanted to, you know, leave New York and have a cool house where we could just do what we wanted yeah. to do. Um, and Ben had this idea that we were going to have a gallery, which I was psyched about. And he definitely had, like, a big hand in, like, making this place, like, look and feel really nice. And... He also, like, worked at the cake shop for years, and I think was also really influenced by mm. being in Baltimore for a while. Um, so, like, the way we, like, run music shows is, like, very much a combination of, of those two influences. Yeah. I feel like prior to living here, I didn't really set up music shows yeah. that much, you know, like, like, as far as, like, you know, like, booking shows that I didn't play, or, like, having a space where I could make a thing happen is just, like, you know, you play shows in other places. And... I don't know, I, I feel like leaving Philly and coming back to make me realize, like, I really, 
I really love this space. I feel like it just feels really nice. You know, you just yeah. wanna have a place that looks cool and feels cool to be in. And I feel like another important thing is that we. I think we're now doing about like four art shows a year, but with music shows, just we only do them when we want to do them. Yeah. It's like. I feel like so many places just book shows all the time, and when you do that, it's hard to like. hard to care about everyone. Yeah. So that's that's really important to me, just like only. only book a show you care about. I'm sure you guys get like. 18,000 emails. We do, but they mostly go to the Magic Pictures email, which we never check. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. It's funny, it like says right on our website, like, we will not book your band. Um, <laughs> we're an art gallery. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes we book bands. Do you have, like, pressure from friends and stuff like that? Like, to. Uh, not so much. Like, it's that's... kind of fine. Like, I yeah. feel like there's. There's enough other places like this that it's not like people can't get a show if yeah. they want to. That's um, Yeah, which it's, it kind of goes in waves, too. Like, I think this summer we've got more stuff coming up, but of course, yeah. the winter was more, you know, not so much stuff going on. Yeah. I, I feel like it's hard, because, like, sometimes I feel like I'll set up shows for these, like, I don't want to use the word random, but, like, just these these acts that I just... It's strictly me just trying to help. Yeah, I yeah. don't have any connection to them, really. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, almost I feel like the reward for doing it is that they ask you to do it again. And then, <laughs> and then like, or they tell, like, all these other people that are like, he's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, like, I feel like it's hard to maintain, like, some kind of, like, distance or something you know what I yeah mean? yeah I feel like a big part of what my deal is is I don't like inherently like being at parties yeah like I mean when it's a good party and we try to put on good parties here it's it's really nice but I yeah feel like I just don't want there to be a million parties all the time in my oh, life oh yeah I feel and I feel like some people get into doing music in part because it's like a way to like participate with this this like party culture you know and right. like be at a party and have something to do but I feel like I'd much rather like just not have to be at a party and it's like I mean, you know, they're okay sometimes, but... Yeah. I feel like it's like a... Wait. Kind of like the party, or like the music show is more like a... Like a means to, like, communicating the thing you want to communicate, rather than, like... An end? Yeah. itself, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like some people, they book a million shows because they just, like, love bands and they love parties... And I just don't feel that way. I mean, there are bands that I love, but I don't, like, inherently love being right. in a show all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. There's people that are just like, I can't get enough bands. You yeah, know? yeah. That I feel like that's... Uh, it's really mystifying to me, but I, mm. it's definitely a way... I think especially people who book shows, like, they do it because they... It seems to me that they, like, love all the bands and love all the parties. Yeah. So... Dumb Hearts, Dumb Flowers, like, when did that come out? That came out, uh, I started writing those songs around 2010, but this, it didn't come out for a little while, I think the end of 2011. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of, like, the real beginning of, like, making music that sounds kind of like what I'm making now. Yeah. Where it was, like, the first, like, dancey one where there's, like, no guitars on that, um, 
drum machines on almost every song. And I feel like it, like that was like when I was like, all right, I like finally was figuring out how to do that. Um, I feel like it's the kind of like the the least sad Kid Friends album. Mm. Like they're the songs are more like upbeat. Yeah. Like content wise. machine to record them it's like this it was from 2002 it was like a digital 8 track and it's like a lot of like kind of keyboard sounds that sound sort of like video gamey and I feel like I I did a lot of the things that like anyone who's like kind of learning to make that kind of music for the first time would do like it's the machine I was using was like very conducive to like keyboard sounds and drum machine sounds but not very conducive to any like live instruments yeah um and I feel like with a new album I've like kind of feel like I have like more control over how that's happening and oh, kind of yeah. feel better about that like it's like like doing that it was like kind of more the cold sounds and then this album was more about like figuring out how to make the warm sounds happen yeah. again and like what like but you're saying it's still a upbeat album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, like, where, like, why? Why, what? <laughs> why was it, like, did this upbeat album emerge? Uh, I think I was just happier then. Yeah. Um, like, most of those songs I wrote when I was living in New York still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like prior to that, it was just kind of like a lot of the songs were about just, like, weird kind of bad, sad, like, interpersonal stuff that was going on, and mm. that just, like, wasn't a thing so much. Um, I feel like a lot of the songs on the album are about, like, not being psyched about New York. Mm. Um, and I guess that was the kind of the beginning, maybe, of more songs that were less about my life and more about, like, things I read about or, like, external sources. Yeah. In part because... I feel like when I guess kind of because my own life was getting a little bit like less interesting to me to talk about you know like when things are going pretty well and you're feeling pretty happy there's less of a need to write autobiographical things mm. I think you know yeah like there's there's a lot more incentive to do that when you're not feeling very good did you feel like it was something that came naturally like to be be like oh that's something I'm gonna write this kind of song about this. Yeah, I mean, I think there was always kind of a, a mix of, you know, writing songs about my life and writing songs about, like, something I heard about on the yeah. radio or read about on the internet or something. And then it just kind of took off a little more in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that album was received well? Mm, I never really know. Yeah. I don't really think too much about that. It's just like, all right, made a hundred tapes, sold them over the course of a long time. Yeah. That's that, you know? <laughs> I received it well. Thanks. Because I liked it a whole lot. But, like... I don't know. I feel like I've never been, like, that good at or that conscious of, like, getting stuff out there in a particularly uh, productive way. <laughs> what do you mean? for that album and just kind of like you know played some shows and like just got them out there 
feel like some people are like I just I feel like it's kind of like you just keep making stuff and doing your thing yeah but oh I think I got out the cat <laughs> scratch it the door yeah different than the stuff that came before it there's like some people who like that more yeah. or less like some people who are like why did you why did you change that oh, <laughs> so there's okay. kind of like a divide there a little yeah. bit um I mean I think even though it was a change like as, ter- as far as like the live show happened it felt like it was a pretty gradual change so yeah. I, I don't know if I was ever like there was like this you know big moment where suddenly it was like it was this way and now it's yeah. this way and like okay so you didn't tour just because why not I don't know I'm just bad at doing that kind of like I feel like I feel pretty poorly suited to like every step in that process like I don't really drive I'm like a real morning person so going on tour is like this like long series of just becoming like more and more sleep deprived yeah throughout I mean I guess that happens no matter what but I don't know, it just didn't didn't end up happening for that album. Yeah. Um and then I guess after that was around when Evil Sword started to happen. Oh yeah. Um So breakdown is real different. <laughs> yeah. Break down that project. Alright, so Evil Sword started because we were gonna have a Halloween party. And um I guess at first there was this idea that me and Ben were gonna both start like rival Halloween bands and then we're gonna be like a bunch <laughs> of Halloween bands um uh, Ben wanted to ask our friend Scott Churchman who makes this really cool scary music and I was gonna ask someone else but then of course like no everyone's always busy you know so it was about like a week before the Halloween party and I was like oh shit like we should just be in a band together <laughs> oh nice um combine yeah, all yeah. ideas yeah um and then it, for some reason, took us a while to figure out that Ben was going to play bass and I was going to sing. Mm. Um, and then we just, like, wrote a bunch of songs in a week, like, really fast. Mm. And we played that show. Um, and that was really fun, but it was kind of... It was a thing where something, like, starts out as a joke, and then over, like, a co- the course of, like, some more months, it it becomes a real thing. Yeah. Like, I think it was maybe about, like, six months after the Halloween show when we started really, like playing more songs or, like, you know, writing more songs. And we got this guy Dan playing drums. We've had like a whole bunch of different drummers. But the funny thing about Evil Sword is it's like this art band with this really, really intense visual component. Yeah. And we've kind of done a thing where we don't play that many shows, but we try to make them like really awesome when we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like a seasonal band. Yeah, yeah. I think this year we're trying to, like, break out of the seasonal thing. Mm. Um, like, it's we've always done a lot of stuff around Halloween, but I think this year we might do a tour in the summer. Oh, cool. And I guess the way it got described on the Single Girl Married Girl website is, like, Evil Sword, like, started out as a Halloween band and then kind of, like, expanded to, like, kind of, like, push both the definitions of Halloween and band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Where> it's, like... <laughs> I feel like it's it's really like its own weird thing now. So I guess 
now in time we're around like 2012 or something and we spent a lot of that year like writing evil sword songs yeah uh, we did like a little like weekend tour around Halloween and that was when Gavin was in the band which was really oh yeah and I feel like going on tour with Gavin is really fun because like evil sword and Gavin are both like really like weird storytelling performances but in yeah. very different ways so that was really fun um and then somewhere along the way I started writing the songs for a new album Dying Alone but uh there was this whole block of time where there was like a long period of time between Dumb Hearts Dumb Flowers and uh the new one because People Sword was happening yeah. basically uh, 2013 was like a really cool year for Evil Sword where we put out the No More Witches uh, book tape. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we made this this tape that came with this like 150 page book that me and Ben both did a bunch of art for. Yeah. Um, and that year was just so intense because like everything was like bam, 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 like record the album in the month, make a book in the month, go on tour, and then we uh, made the Hideous Forest musical which was like an hour long performance with like 22 people involved is it like a play it was a play that's cool. um, yeah and we basically made all that happen in like a month it was like the most fun craziest weird time <laughs> uh, and that was the Hideous Forest that's crazy so 22 people it's like a cast of people acting yeah yeah including you guys yeah yeah I mean we were basically just the band like we yeah I had like a couple speaking lines but it was basically like not about us acting just like but it was weird because I was directing a play which is funny because I think for a long time I'd been saying like oh I think when I'm 30 I'm gonna make a musical that seemed like a good a good goal and then I was like Mm. 29 and doing that and it was like oh okay we made a musical head schedule that's cool um (laughs) that's but it it was weird because I love like doing all the like props like I I love making big weird sculptures and costumes and I like writing and doing music stuff of course but it was like funny to suddenly be in like an acting like director role Mm. where one just like you know kind of organizing stuff with a lot of people but then just realizing like like telling people how to act is like very new part of my brain like yeah. <laughs> not something that that came very easily although people did a great job um yeah what is it in a play like that what does a director do you write you write you write the story you make sure everyone comes to all the rehearsals mm-hmm. uh you try to tell people how to act uh, just like talk to people about like who their character is like what yeah. their motivation is kind of <laughs> but it's funny because not having done that before very often I would like you know tell someone this is what I wanted and they would do it and they'd be like oh no I was wrong to like think that oh yeah and did you do it in like a theater setting yeah um, it was at uh, this place uh, Vox Populi that's kind of this bigger art gallery in mm. Philadelphia they have a performance space we did it in and yeah about 100 people came it was really fun like I think the hideous forest like that was like one of the best days of my life I was just like so so happy to see everyone like coming together doing this thing and that's kind of what I really love about evil sword it's like a village Mm. like it it takes a village to make evil sword happen kind (laughs) of like especially in the play but I feel like almost everyone I know has performed 
an evil sword mm. like in some capacity or other where if it's like alright you gotta like stand here and wear this tree costume yeah or like we just play the show where there's a gong and there's like this one woman who just comes out and like hits the gong in one moment that's yeah um and we've also just had a lot of different people like play drums and sing and stuff so it's that's one thing I love about Philly is people are like not too busy to just help out with something oh yeah yeah and that's just a really nice feeling oh that's us yeah and like after the the big reveal of this play like I guess did, did you take it to other places as well no it was just a one night oh okay thing. cool we were thinking eventually we would want to take it to other places but I think the new goal is we're eventually just going to make a movie um, right right yeah so that is still like in its beginning stages we're just like writing it now yeah. so that's like a hopefully that's going to be like a 2015-2016 thing like we're saying like you know 2015 is going to be an evil sword year even though up until now I feel like it's been more of like a like a year where I do Kifer and stuff yeah but I think that's going to change pretty soon and it's nice like having the two different projects where like you can take a long break and then just like by the time you've worked on the other one you can like come back to the other project and see what mm. what comes next yeah. you know like yeah. I feel like sometimes you make an album or something and then it takes a while to just figure out what to do next like how you want it to be yeah like I definitely feel like this album I just finished dying alone feels like it's like the end of this one moment and and that album is like really dark it's like almost entirely songs about people who have died really tragic deaths I haven't heard that. Yeah. Like, like, what? Like, is is that something you envisioned it being? It was not. It was not uh, a thing I envisioned from the beginning. But I think it's kind of like what I was talking about before. Was like I moved to Philly. I felt like my life was going really well, Uh and because of that, I didn't really feel like I had anything to say about my own life. And you fall in these inanimate holes and stuff. You read these really sad stories, Mm. and. It just turned out that the things that... I think it's because, like... You know, I always just want to talk about things that make me feel something. And really often, like, the sad things just kind of stand out. You know? Mm. They'd be... They would make me feel more inspired. So... I felt like my life was going pretty well, and I just kept writing these songs about these really sad things I would hear about. And somewhere along the way, it became this clear that this pattern was emerging, where it was like yeah. all these songs about death. And then, where where are you getting these sad stories? Uh, a lot of the songs this album are about uh, the movie Grizzly Man. Um, okay. One of them is about a lot of them is just like weird internet research. Like this one song uh, called "The Lord of the Rings" is about uh, this guy Ronnie Lee Gardner, who. I guess I first just read about it because he was someone who was on death row and a part of his last meal request was uh, watching the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, And I kind of just wrote the song without knowing much about it besides that, like what happened. Yeah. And then when I did more research, it was just like one of these really sad stories where it was basically someone where it was like there was no way their life wasn't going to be, like, real messed up, you know? Right, right. And it's just kind of sad that, you know, people have these lives where they kind of are just like, you know, 
dealt a real crappy hand from the time they were a baby. Yeah. And then they just end up getting killed at the end, and that's, like, the best the world can do. Mm. It's real stupid. Oh, oh, man. This album... It was one of those ones where, like... At the end, when I was looking at it, I was just like, what have I done? <laughs> um, but then it was kind of becoming apparent there was this this pattern emerging where all these songs were about death and then a friend of mine from college died and then I wrote some more songs about that and that was kind of like this push where it was just like oh no oh no all these heavy things yeah (laughs) so it's a really heavy album like obviously like thinking about someone dying in a terrible way (laughs) is like makes you feel something but like what makes you feel like you want to like express something about it I guess I guess I've kind of always felt like there's kind of this pattern that goes like all the way back where I write these songs about sad stories either about people I know or people I hear about songs are kind of like prayers where it's like it's kind of like this like shout out or like this like dedication to a person like when there's like a sad thing it's like I feel like it's really futile feeling with death because there's no way to like go back or change anything yeah. but it's just like trying to like like kind of like push some like good energy to this bad thing mm-hmm. I think is part of what the motivation is I was thinking about that like with these like black metal bands and stuff like that mm-hmm. like what's behind like this like endless like exploration of like death and darkness or something yeah yeah it's something it's, that they want it's really in do. some people to do that yeah I don't know it's something I wonder about a lot and I don't know if I have like a very good answer for it but I definitely feel like this pull to to make things that are It's funny, I feel like the new album is a lot darker than Evil Sword. Yeah. Like, kind of like Evil Sword is... It's more like a... It's like a theatrical sort of thing. Yeah. It's like... And I feel like we've been writing some new Evil Sword songs that are kind of darker and heavier Mm. in its way. Like, I feel like that is kind of the trajectory that Evil Sword is going on. But I feel like I don't want them to be, like, deeply negative. I feel like that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, like, playing these shows with the songs from the new album it's like like what do I want to be doing like do I really want it you know do you want it to feel good or bad <laughs> right, things like right. that and it's so funny like the kind of like push pull between like if you have any like conscious intent of how you want a thing to be versus just like what seems to come at you naturally you know it's hard because you know it can really like the lore of the fun party is a thing people like right but I feel like all the music that I like the most is not about the fun party deep down right right right. and it's like hard to find that stuff you know even though it might not you know appeal to the most people it's like what's gonna be more meaningful yeah like it's cool to see a bunch of people like throwing their hands in the air and like jumping around but But that's already been done yeah like decades yeah is that the goal of all music (laughs) in the earth to be like how do we know if this is going well? And it's like, are oh, people like got their hands in there, you know? 
the fun party is really cool for a live context, but I think that a lot of the time, the other context that's equally or maybe more important is the experience people have when they're just listening to the recordings, like, on their own. Yeah. And I feel like one of the the main functions of music, I mean, there's a million, obviously, but one of the main ones is just trying to, like, help people feel okay when they're feeling bad. Yeah. And, you know, fun party music can be good for that, too, but I feel like more introspective music that won't necessarily go over as well live. Yeah. Is also important. Well, my question is, how do you balance that with being a touring and I'm yeah, yeah. you don't tour that much mm-hmm. but yeah it's but, a really it's a really hard question yeah but I think I think part of it is just like wondering like what what do you expect or want out of a live show and I feel like with my music it's kind of confusing like are people supposed to be dancing are they supposed to be like listening and it's like funny to see what what people choose to do <laughs> right, right, right. like really often you just like kind of look at people and you have like no idea what's going on yeah <laughs> in their heads and are you okay with that uh, I think so I mean I think it's you know obviously like a process of, of figuring out what yeah. is and is it okay and it it changes but I think ultimately like, I kind of just like don't really worry about it mm. too much but lately I was thinking about it and I was thinking a lot about like thinking about like you know the 80s goth sort of stuff again thinking about like bands like The Cure and The Smiths where they like talk a lot about feelings but are still dancey yeah and I feel like that's those are, are good ones to look at because mm. they I feel like those bands kind of could do both yeah well if you start to tour more do you feel like you can just like go in just as hard with like the crazy all over the place stuff or you feel like you have to like somehow narrow it down or or something like that I don't know I mean I think it's it's important to just you know do what you're doing because all you yeah. can really ever be is yourself but then within that there's like a lot of different different ways it can go and I feel like I think a lot about like you know I feel like this album is a place where like it can't get darker than this or it'll just feel real bad right. like I need to like like I don't want to make another album that's this dark <laughs> still dying alone yeah 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 I can't it can't be like that <laughs> um and I feel like you know having like the dark and the light together is always a thing I'm interested in too but Figuring out, like, how good versus how bad you want it to feel is, like... Yeah. It's really, like, an ongoing process figuring that out. <laughs> like, I... I don't know. But I definitely feel it's, like, you know... It's kind of just about making a weird time happen. It's not necessarily about being fun, even though yeah. people will like it more if it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how did this last tour go? some shows that were kind of weird I feel like you learn more from the weird ones 
for mm. sure. How so? Um, I guess we played the show. Oh, people are really yelling. That's, That's okay. Um, we played the show in Greenfield the day before yesterday, Greenfield, Massachusetts. It was just like real weird vibes at this record store. And I think it was like, well, I went on tour with um, uh, my friend Yanni, who's reading uh, the stories of this writer, Harmon Butcher. Yanni's relationship to Harmon Butcher is real mysterious, but uh, I love his stories. But it's kind of interesting because I feel like the the ideal context for a Harmon Butcher set is not necessarily the same as the ideal context for a K for N set, mm. and like it can make a lot of sense or it can also like not make a lot of sense yeah um but I think sometimes like if like if a show starts out and it's like poorly attended it's kind of easy to assume that people won't show up and it will like continue to be bad and if you expect a thing to be bad it won't be awesome even if like things actually turn up okay you know where like suddenly people show up but you're like feeling weird but I, I had like a weird a weird feeling at the show we played but it really reminded me like I feel like a lot of the time, if I think it's going to be weird, I just, like, take a moment to, you know, like, gather the power and be like, yes, I can do this. It's going to be awesome. Mm. But I just, like, forgot to do that. And I think because I forgot to, like, gather the power in that way, it just didn't work out so well. Mm. But I think also, like, I was talking about, like, the ratio of, like, happy feelings to sad feelings. That's, like, a weird one. Like, if you're not feeling good, it's easy to just, like, do a series of real dark songs that just feel real weird <laughs> yeah yeah when you're like gathering the power to do your thing it's like what are you doing exactly I think it's like it's a spiritual thing where you just remind yourself that you have the power but also like call on the other powers to to give you the power it's just like I mean I'm doing this motion <laughs> Which yeah. is not visible on a podcast. And it's not... You're, like, reaching out and, like, pulling the powers into yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, like, just remembering that you can you can do it, you know? Yeah. Because if you... If you believe, it helps a lot. And if you don't believe, then you don't have that advantage. Yeah. But you have to remember to believe. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I forgot to believe. And what is it that you're believing in? myself and all the other powers that are out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, like the party is not like necessarily what you're trying to start. Like Yeah. And go out there and rock them and shock them. And like 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 it's not necessarily like that, but it's like what like what what would you be trying to do right or do wrong? Yeah. I don't know. I mean this is the thing I've been thinking about and like, the other day, like, yesterday, I was just asking myself, like, what do I want from a show? Like, how do I want it to feel? And I don't think I'm necessarily anywhere close to, like, making it feel this way. But I kind of feel like I want it to feel like church, where it's, like... I mean, there's there's a lot of way, different ways that that can be, and that can be, like, good or bad. But about a year ago, I was doing this thing where I was just, like, going to different churches just because I was, like curious about what constitutes a religious experience for different groups of people mm. and I found that it, it varied wildly but like some of the churches just like around my neighborhood they like really know how to party where there's like cool music with like drums and just 
I don't know. I just felt like in a lot of ways that experience was more, more like, I guess just more interesting and meaningful than a lot of music shows. Yeah. Where I feel like people are like feeling things and they're thinking about things and they're like rejoicing, you know? Right, right. And I don't think that's quite what a Kate Friends show is like, but I feel like there's definitely a thing where I'm trying to kind of like... is kind of like create a spiritual experience in a secular environment mm. I don't know if that's like how it reads or what it feels like but it's a thing I think about a lot yeah and it's and it has it always been has that always sort of been the thing kind of or something that's like somewhere between that and like therapy you know where it's definitely like trying to address people who feel bad and the things people feel bad about and trying to like either be like an uplifting factor or just like an acknowledging factor yeah. those are our issues for me yeah well cool I feel like we're up to the present day because it's the last day of the tour we were just talking about right yeah cool is there anything else you want to mention or anything I guess, I guess that's about it. Cool. 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 Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Cool. All right, thanks again to Kate. We'll see you next week.